All right? And so we're going to look at the word here this morning. But I want to, first of all, I want to give a little background here. And this ties into the message here. But when I was growing up, and I grew up in a Christian household, and I've talked to many of you this morning, and I asked you, how long have you been going to uh, this church? Many of you have said, oh, a very long time, or since I was born, okay? And so I grew up in a Christian family as well. And when I was growing up, we were not allowed to wear shorts, and we were not allowed to go to the movie theater, okay? And if you wore shorts or if you went to the movie theater, there was a lot of guilt and a lot of shame that was put upon you because you were violating or you were insulting the holiness of God. Okay? Now, there is, do I think that wearing shorts or going to a movie is wrong? No, I do not. Okay? However, uh, those principles there uh, were not based upon a specific passage of scripture. The Bible doesn't say that you can't wear short pants or that you can't go to the movie theater, okay? But what it was based upon, it was based upon a previous generation's conviction about the holiness of God and what it meant to honor God in all of your life. How did you honor God by how you dressed? How did you honor God with how you entertained yourself? Does that make sense? Okay. And so in that, my, my parents' generation, my grandparents' generation, they had this conviction that we are to, to, to honor God, we didn't wear shorts and we didn't go to movies. Okay? And that was their conviction. My generation doesn't share that conviction. Okay? And so <clears throat> we are in the struggle here with generations is that one generation's conviction is the next generation's legalism. Okay, And so I want to challenge the young people in here this morning is that you need to be wrestling. You need to be asking the Lord, how is it am I supposed to honor you in all of my life? How am I supposed to honor you with how I dress? How am I supposed to honor you with how I entertain myself? You know, and how, you, how, you can, how the Lord convicts you to do that might be different than those who go, who've gone before you. It might be different than your parents. But we need to wrestle with that. Does that make sense? Okay. And so, um, so uh, when it comes to the shorts and the movies, it was, it was kind of legalistic. Okay. And, uh, and so we, my generation began to kind of rebel against those rules that the, older, the elders of our church had. Okay. And we began to rebel. And we would say, we are, live under grace. We live under grace. We're not under the law. We're not under legalism. We live in grace. Okay? And so the question today that I have is, I want to ask the question is, does the law, does the Old Testament law have any place in our life this morning? Does it have any place in our life today? Because as we live in grace, we tend to, when any time that we come up against a prohibition that you should not do something, we rebel against and say, no, that's Old Testament. We live under grace. I am free. I am free. I am free in Christ. And so the question today is, is, is there a place for law, the law, in our lives today? Do... Uh, and so I want to start off this morning by asking a question 
And that question is, is do you have or do we have an attitude like Jonah? Now, I'm gonna, it's going to be a couple of points before I get to explain this, but I want you to stop and think about, do we have an attitude like Jonah? All right? And so if you have a Bible, I want you to put your finger in two different places. First, go to the book of Romans chapter 3. And if you have a physical Bible, also put your finger in the book of Jonah chapter 3. We're going to start off in the book of Romans, okay? And we're going to look at the question here is, do we have the attitude of Jonah? Does the law have a place in our life here this morning? All right? So the Jonah attitude, that's what we're going to be looking at here this morning. And we're going to look at first and foremost here, what is the purpose of the law? So in Romans chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, here is what it says. It says, now I realize, or we realize, that everything the law says is addressed to those who are under its authority. This is for two reasons. So that every excuse will be silenced with no boasting of innocence, and so that the entire world will be held accountable to God's standard. Okay? So notice then that there are two reasons why we have the law. The first purpose of the law is that every excuse or every mouth will be silenced with no boasting of innocence. Now, if you would ask any of your friends, any of your family, any person on the street, if you would ask them the question, are you a good person, they were probably going to answer, yes, I'm a good person. And you'd ask them, why do you think that you are a good person? And they would say, well, I've never killed anybody. I try to do what is right most of the time, right? And I'm not as bad as some, some other people, okay? And so they have this idea that they are good. Now, there's a guy who has a bunch of videos on the Internet. His name is Ray Comfort. Uh, you can look him up, Ray Comfort. Uh, and and he, he, he's an evangelist. And he would say when you find somebody who, who, when he finds somebody who says that they are a good person, he would say, do you mind if we test or see if you are a good person? And so he'll ask him three questions. He'll say, have you ever told a lie? And they would say, well, yeah. And he said, well, what do you call somebody who tells lies? And they'll say, well, a liar. Okay. He said, then he'll go on and he'll say, have you ever stolen anything? And they'll say, well, no, no. He goes, no, even if it was small, even if it was when you, was, even if it was when you were a kid, have you ever stolen anything? And they would say, well, yeah, I, I stole a piece of candy or I stole something once. He said, okay. He said, so what do you call somebody who steals? A stoler, right? No. <laughs> a thief. He would then ask them a third question. He would say, have you ever looked at somebody with lust? Because Jesus calls that adultery. And they would say, well, yeah. And he said, so now, you've, by your own admission, you're a liar, you're a thief, and you have an adulterous heart. And so if you were standing before the heavenly, our Heavenly Father, the God and creator of the universe, and he was to judge you by the Ten Commandments, and we've only looked at three Ten Commandments. 
We haven't talked about, have you ever dishonored your father and mother? We haven't talked about, have you ever coveted something that wasn't yours? But we've only looked at three, and, and, and you've already admitted that you've broken those three. Do you think God would see you as a good person or not? Would you be innocent or would you be guilty? See, our tendency as humans is to compare ourselves to other people. And when we compare ourselves to other people, we look pretty good. You know why? Because we always compare ourselves to the worst example. Well, I'm not as bad as Hitler. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Okay? We never compare somebody. Well, I'm not quite as good as them. <laughs> we always compare somebody whom we think that we're better than, right? Okay? That's how we always do it. Okay, and so we compare ourselves to people. But here's what we have to understand here about the reason for the law. Is that the law tells us that people, other people, are not our standard. God's law is the standard. And whenever, we, if we look at other people, we can, we can justify ourselves. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm not as bad as them. Okay, but when we look at the law... All of our excuses, all, our, all of our defenses are silenced. We cannot defend ourselves in light of the law. Does that make sense? All right. So that brings us to the second reason. So what is the second purpose of the law? So that all the world will be, a ha be held accountable to God's standard. So the law establishes that God's standard is all that really matters. It doesn't matter what the, what the standard of culture is or society is. It doesn't matter what the standard of your family is. It doesn't matter what the standard of the person that you, of your neighbor is. God's standard is the standard that matters. And so when Jesus, whenever Jesus would encounter somebody in his ministry who was prideful in their own goodness... Who would, who would say, I am better than somebody, who was legalistic in their righteousness, he would always confront them with the law. And when they would be confronted with the law, he would show them that they weren't as good as they thought that they were. He would show that they've missed God's standard. And so the, the, the purpose of the law is to, reveal the, uh, is to reveal our guilt. The law can't remove our guilt. The law is only supposed to show us that we are guilty, to show us that we are not good. Okay? It is to, it is to the, the law, then, because we are guilty, then requires that we are held accountable for breaking the law. And that means judgment. And because we have missed God's standard, we are deserving of God's judgment. And so that is what the purpose of the law is, okay? And so the question is, is how does law and how do grace work together, okay? So what is the question here is what is grace, okay? Grace, I went one too far. Grace is receiving something that we don't deserve, okay? In legalism... We try to earn salvation by keeping a set of rules, by not wearing shorts or not going to a movie, okay? We try to earn our salvation by that. But in the gospel, the gospel provides a salvation that is by grace. 
You're familiar with Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no man can boast. Right? The law tells us that none of us can boast because we've all, we've all fallen short. And so grace, salvation is by grace. We receive something that we don't deserve. The law tells us that we don't deserve it, that we're not good, that we've missed God's standard. We don't deserve God's love. We don't deserve his salvation. We don't deserve his forgiveness. But God gives it to us anyway through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, who when he paid the penalty for our sin. We need both law and grace. The law without grace is legalism. The law without grace is simply driven by guilt and shame. Grace without the law is not good news. Grace without the law, or without the law, grace is not even necessary. Okay? So grace and law, we need both of them. Now, let's go back to our opening question. Do we have the attitude of Jonah? Okay? So in Jonah, the book of Jonah tells us about a prophet that God tells to go to Nineveh and to preach. Now, Nineveh was a military power, a dominant military power of the time. And they were cruel and they were um, oppressive. And everybody, nobody liked the people of Nineveh. They were hated. And so when God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, Jonah hated them so much that he did not want to go, and so he ran the opposite direction. And he ran away until he had the experience with the big fish. And after the experience with the big fish, he finally said, Lord, I will go. Okay? And so let's pick up the story here. And he goes, he, he, and he goes in another, and he preaches. And as he preaches, he preaches for three days, and his message is this. In 40 days, God is going to destroy Nineveh. In 40 days, God is going to destroy Nineveh. There was no grace. There was no salvation. It was judgment. Okay? So let's go here. Let's pick up the story here. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 10... After Jonah has went around and preaching, and preaching the message, God is going to destroy Nineveh in 40 days. When the king of Nineveh heard that message, he was, his heart was broken and he led the people in repentance. And in Jonah chapter 3 verse 10, this is what it says. When God saw their action that they had turned from their evil ways, he relented from the disaster he had threatened to bring upon them. What did God just show the city of Nineveh? 
He just showed them what? Grace. He gave them something they did not deserve. Okay? He was ready to destroy them, but because they were repentant, he said, you know what? I'm not going to give you what you deserve. You are not good, but because you've repented, I'm going to give you something you do not deserve, and I'm going to spare you. Right? Now let's go to chapter 4, verse 1 and 3. Now I've only got verse 2 up here, but uh, here's verse... um, One and two. I'm sorry. Got ahead of myself. Verse two. Jonah, however, was greatly displeased and became angry. So he prayed to the Lord, saying, O Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? This is why I was so quick to flee toward Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in loving devotion, One who relents from sending disaster. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Do we have an attitude like Jonah? What is the attitude of Jonah? Jonah disliked the people of Nineveh so much that all he wanted was for them to be judged. He wanted them to be destroyed. He had no care or concern about them receiving grace and coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord God. They had no concern. So I ask the question today, do we have an attitude like Jonah? Are there groups of people Are there groups of people that we despise so much that all we really hope for is their judgment? Maybe it's Abu Sayyaf in Mindanao. Maybe maybe it's just even some of the Muslims who've migrated to, to Manila who are in the markets all over the place in the markets. Or is it, what is it, what's the, the, is it the Bajau who have the drums on the back of the jeepneys? Okay. Maybe, maybe it's, a, it's a group like that. Or maybe are there people whom we think that are, we are so convinced that, that, they are, that we are biblically certain that that group of person, that their actions are sinful, that all we do is proclaim judgment on them. Corrupt politicians. Maybe it's the addicts and drug dealers. And we'd say, you know what, society would be better off if they're just dead. We'd be better off if they're just dead. Maybe it's the drunk who sits, on, who, who sits idly by on the side of the road all day, drinking and wasting all of his money and neglecting the needs of his family. And we say they get, they get what they deserve. Or how about the LGBT community? What is our attitude toward groups like these? If all we are is grace, then we just say God loves them the way that they are. 
and we should just leave them alone and accept them. That means they are never asked to look into the mirror of the law. They're never confronted with God's standard. They never realize that they've missed the mark. They stand and they, they, they live in a sense of false security that they are okay, that they are good people and everything is all right. And they live in a, in a, in a, in a false idea, in a false worldview, in a false idea of God and his judgment. And they think they're okay. And they don't understand that God's judgment is real. But if all we do is proclaim judgment, and we appear as we, then we come off as being hateful or intolerant, because all we do is pronounce, God hates this sin. God hates this. If you do this, you're going to hell. We become intolerant. And all, if that's all we proclaim and we offer no sense of salvation, no sense of grace, no sense that God can redeem, if you repent that God will restore and God will forgive, if that's all that we are, then we're just all judgment. And in our hearts, all that we want is we just want to see them judged. We despise their actions so much that all we really want is we want them to be judged. If you just, as we wrap it up here, I would just, would you watch this video real quick? <laughs> Be real, be proud, be real, be gay, be happy. Run ang LGBTQIA community ang nakiisa sa taunang Pride March. May ilang religyosong nagbabantang mapupunta sa impyerno ang hindi straight. Ano ngayon ang ating ipagpapalaki? Bigyan po natin ang konteksto ang Biblia. A strong majority of Filipinos are accepting of homosexuality. Mabilis ang pagdami ng AIDS and HIV cases. We accept the homosexual person but not the action. Hinahanap ko yung lahat ng pagmamahal sa maraming bagay, sa lalaki, sa pera, sa material, pero wala. Habang inaabot ko yung, yung ganong pangarap ko, doon din nagsimula yung pagkalunon ko sa immorality, na pasok ako sa cybersex, I became a entertainer ng mga foreigner, nag-all the way ako, at binabayaran nila ako ng malaking pera. Piling ko kompleto ako kasi meron akong kalibin partner, Kasama ko familia ko, nakukuha ko gusto ko. So bilang isang bakla, parang I am complete. Masasabi ko na talagang, ganito na ako, mamamatay akong bakla. Uh, ganun na ako. Kasi doon ako masaya. Nawalan ako ng kumpiyansa sa sarili nung niloko ko, nung kinakasama ko. Hindi ko matanggap na ang ganda-ganda ko that time, pero niloko mo ko. Binigay ko lahat sa'yo, pero niloko mo ko. So doon nag-start, nasirain ko yung buhay ko. Nag-start ako makipag-sex kahit kanikanino. Bata, matanda, may kipinawala, lahat siya ang papatulan ko. Nagpakamatay ako sa kakainom ng alak. Because that time, alam ko wala ng pag-asa. I was diagnosed na meron akong severe depression. Tinatakbo ako sa ospital. 
Pagtapos kung takbo sa spa, pag-uwi ko ng bahay, wala naman daw akong sakit. Pero nararamdaman ko. Naging ganun kasalimuot yung buhay ko. Yung mga taong inaasahan mo na naiaahon ka, sila yung magpapalubog sa'yo. So, that time I was tired. I was hopeless. I was broken, I was in pain, alone in my room. Nang biglang may nag-send sa akin ang message. Tapos sabi doon, mahal ka ng Panginoon at tutulungan ka ng Diyos. Kaya na-excite ako. I attend the church. I worship God like never before. I raised up my two hands. I was in, the, in my dress. I was in my heels. Pero it doesn't matter. At talaga naramdaman ko yung yung pagyakap sa akin ng Lord na di ko naramdaman even in my own family kahit sa mga lalaki na karelasyon ko hindi ko yun naramdaman talaga isa lang yung pinagpray ko Lord, I raised my two hands and sabi ko, Lord if you're not gonna help me today mamatay na so please help me that's the time that I surrender my life to the Lord and that God never failed me that time He healed me from my depression, healed me from my anxiety. And He gave the securities na matatagpuan ko lang pala sa Panginoong Yesus. Kaya sa mga, sa mga L, ano, fellow LGBT na gusto magtiwala sa Lord, huwag kayong matakot. Ang gusto lang ng Lord, sumunod ka sa Kanya. Because that is the best way for us to have a happy life to have a secured life. At sa Lord lang yun. Dahil walang sino man na makakapagbago sa'yo. Even yun yung old self, kundi ang Lord lang. You know, as... As a church, as we deal with issues such as this, we have a split voice. In the opening scenes, we, we, we saw the split voice was that some people, God hates homosexuals, you're going to hell. And then you have the other extreme, no, God loves you the way that you are. See, if you're all judgment, all law, God hates you, God's mad at you, God's going to judge you. If we're all grace, you're okay. You don't have to change. You see, we need both the law and grace. And I would pray then that as we see a story like, like Ronnie here, I challenge us. Is our attitude of Jonah? Lord, I knew it. Why didn't you just judge him, Lord? Why didn't you just judge him? Why don't you just judge him? They're sinful. They're, they're perverted. They're whatever it is. Why don't you just judge him, Lord? Why? I knew it. I know that you're a God of compassion, that if I would have proclaimed your goodness, that you would have forgiven him and restored him. I asked the question in church, how do we respond when we, when we hear a story like this? Are we disgusted? I mean, I mean he still is kind of are we discussing or do we say praise God that the grace of God is able to save and to restore and to 
redeem and change somebody who was as lost as Ronnie. And I'd ask the question, do we have the attitude of Jonah toward the parts of our society who we think are the worst? Who we think are the most sinful? And so what is the remedy? And so I have to ask, Lord, would you forgive me for sometimes having an attitude of Jonah? Lord, would you forgive us for having an attitude like Jonah? Because we need both the law and the grace. And in Romans chapter 3, just after he tells us the purpose of the law in verse 19, you know, and after that famous verse of Romans 3, 23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Paul gives us the grace in verse 24 when he says, yet through his powerful declaration of acquittal or forgiveness, God freely gives away his righteousness. His gift of love and favor now cascades or falls all over us. All because Jesus, the anointed one, has liberated us from the guilt, punishment, and power of sin. And my friends, church, aren't you glad this morning that the law that brings us to the point that we recognize our own sinfulness and the need of a Savior Aren't you glad that the law brings us to that point where we're no longer lost in a false sense of security? That we're no longer uh, lost and in bondage to a false idea of how good I am. That the law forces me to look at not my standard, but God's standard, which is holy and righteous and true and perfect. And when I compare myself to that standard, I am not good. I am not holy. I am not righteous. And because because of that, I need a savior. I need somebody to save me. I need somebody to change me. I need somebody to redeem me. And so therefore, I call upon the one whom God has sent and revealed himself, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And aren't you glad that he is faithful and just, that when we call upon him, that he will forgive us and he will change us and he will make us into his image and into his likeness from glory to glory. And so, church, we need both the law and the grace. And may the Lord grant us wisdom on when to use the law. May he grant us wisdom on when we need to extend grace. And as we prepare for the time of communion this morning, can we be thankful? Can we be thankful? Can we be thankful for the law that God has, that we've seen ourselves in the mirror? And can we be thankful that God has loved us so much that he didn't just smash us? <laughs>